We're going to be in 1 Peter tonight. We're going to be in 1 Peter 1, 1 Peter 2. Um, I'll be uh, in the New Living Translation most of the nights. Um, I'm a New American Standards kind of guy for the most part. Um, But there's just some really powerful ways that uh, descriptive language that the New Living Translation uses in this passage. And so um, I'll be sharing tonight. And the passage that we're reading from 1 Peter, it talks about the Old Testament prophets receiving and giving the message of salvation through Jesus. So let's start with 1 Peter 1, verse 8. You love him, even though you have never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him, and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. I love that, by the way. I just got to pause. How great is that? This is how we're supposed to trust. This is how we're supposed to trust. Rejoicing with a glorious, inexpressible joy. That's trust. Verse 9. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. This salvation was something even the prophets wanted to know more about when they prophesied about this gracious salvation prepared for you. Down to verse 12. They were told that their messages were not for themselves, but for you. And now this good news has been announced to you by those who preached in the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. It is all so wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching these things happen. By the way, you got to point out, when you hear something that cool, that, that our faith will work for the Lord in preaching the word of Jesus Christ in power, that there are angels eagerly anticipating, watching, that we are, we're entertaining them with the good news of Jesus Christ. That's pretty dang cool to even think about. What were the prophets told? What were the prophets told? They were told, you believe. Earlier we read that this message was for you, it resulted in your salvation, and you believed. And then it says, you believe. But this message is not just for you. So share it. Share it. Question. How many of you in this room believe in Jesus Christ and have trusted your life in him? Raise your hand. Raise your hand if you believe in Jesus Christ. Ooh, we got a lot of people that believe. That's awesome. You believe. That's awesome. But this word is not just for you. What God has given, what he has brought about is not just for you. It is to be shared. This message of hope and salvation. Message of hope and salvation. How many people come to mind when you think about those who need hope? Those who need salvation. This message is for them. And it's also for you. Like the heroes that we read about in Scripture, you and I are called to invest ourselves into the kingdom of God. The heroes that we read about in the Bible are heroes because they did. They weren't heroes prior to doing. They weren't heroes prior to obeying. They weren't heroes prior to building. They weren't 
heroes prior to responding. They weren't heroes prior to saying yes and walking it out. You and I are called to invest ourselves into the kingdom of God. We are called to invest ourselves into the lives of some people that we will never even meet, never see. But in doing so, angels are rejoicing because lives will be brought to Christ because of our effort, because of our work. For verse 13, I want to read that in the New American Standard um, because it uses some really cool, a cool phrase. So, First Peter 1.13, Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. How awesome is that? Prepare your minds for action. Anyone ever play the game Think Fast when you're younger? Anyone ever have the friend that when they were around, oh, you got one too. That's nice. Think fast. I know some of you, when you were kids, that that you couldn't be around them without being on your toes because they were always up to something. So think fast wasn't just a game. It was a way of life. Every time I've thought about this, I've thought about Hawk. I'm like, I bet you that little ornery little guy when he was young, man, you, you could never sleep around him. You could never nap around Hawk. Yeah, that's right. We have to prepare our minds for action. We've got to think fast. Why is action needed? Because work is needed. Why do we have to prepare our minds for action? Because work is needed. I have modes. I have different modes. I think a lot of men have modes. I have work mode. I have play mode. I have fun mode. I have chill mode. And I don't transition well from one mode to the next. When I'm in work mode... It's hard for me to transition out of work mode. When I am in chill mode, it's very hard for me to transition to work mode. You know, we have our modes. And there are times I've got to prepare my mind. Okay, Mark, you've got 20 minutes. You're chilling for 20 minutes. But after that, you're getting up because the lawn's not going to cut itself. Prepare our minds for action. Verse 14 So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. But now you must be holy in everything you do. Just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say you must be holy because I am holy. And remember that the heavenly father to whom you pray has no favorites. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. Now, I like that reward part, but I ain't too keen on the whole judging part. Can we just skip that part? No. He will judge us or reward us according to what we have done. How many people aren't real crazy about that passage I just read? They're not my words. 
They're not my words. These aren't my thoughts. This is the word of God. God is holy, right? We just got done reading. You must be holy because I am holy, says the Lord, right? He is holy and he is just. And therefore he must be just in judging and rewarding because he is holy. Does that make sense? We will be judged or rewarded based on how we live our lives for him, period. Done. How much do we long to hear the words? Well done. Good. Faithful servant. Well done. There's not a Christian I know that doesn't long for those words. There's not a Christian I know that at hearing those words, it doesn't touch your heart, tug on your heartstrings, possibly bring a tear to your eyes or goosebumps to your arms because we desire to hear those words from our Father. Well done, good and faithful servant. Be holy just as I am holy. How you invest your lives matters. What are you spending your lives on? Okay, you've got money. What do you spend your money on? You've got time your time on. You've got lives. You've been giving new life. What are you spending your life on? How are we investing our lives? How are we spending our lives? This passage is all about, talks about that there were heroes in the, in the Old Testament that that they believed, but but what they brought forth wasn't just for them, it was for us. It was for people centuries later. How are we spending our lives? You see, we're not ignorant anymore. That's what this passage told us. You're no longer ignorant. We didn't know any better then, but now we do. We're not ignorant. We can't feign ignorance anymore. Once a child keeps doing, the child has been corrected and instructed and told not to do. Once the child knowingly keeps doing it, it is no longer innocence. It is no longer ignorance. There's a word for it. That word. Rebellion. It is now rebellion. The minute the child keeps doing what they know not to do, what they've been instructed to do, what they're no longer ignorant of or innocent of, and they willfully choose to keep doing it, it is called rebellion. So I would ask us, what are we doing that we know we're not supposed to be doing? What are we doing that we we know we've been instructed and found truth and knowledge not to do, but yet we continue doing it. Although that kind of behavior is ignorant, it's not ignorance, friends, it's rebellion. Are we motivated? Church, are we motivated? Do we have the necessary motivation? 
Are we inspired? Are we passionate? Are we motivated? Verse 15 said, but now you must be holy in everything you do. Friends, this is not a harsh command. This is a statement of how we should desire to live our lives in light of the work of Jesus Christ in our lives. Now, you must be holy in everything you do. That's not some stringent command. That's a reflection of we now know him. In light of the knowledge of Jesus Christ, our lives should pursue his holiness. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given unto you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all the blessings are listed in earlier in Matthew chapter 6. All of these things will be given to you. But seek him. Seek his holiness. I asked if we're motivated. The return of Jesus should be motivation enough for all of us. He's coming again. We can't act like he'll never return. We can't live our lives as if he'll never return. There needs to be opportunity in our lives where that we seize the moment, where that we live our lives with an importune, opportunistic spirit because we don't know what tomorrow holds. Not for us, not for someone else. We should be mentally alert, disciplined, focused, ready for action. So I'll say the question again, are we living our lives as God's obedient children? What he's asked us to do, are we doing it? Plain and simple, what he's asked us to do, are we doing it? The way he's asked us to live our lives, are we living it that way? The ways he's told us to invest our lives, are we investing it that way? Plain and simple. Growth. Growth. We're ready for a growth spurt. Church, we're ready for a growth spurt. We are ready for deeper places in God. It is so obvious. Our worship service has changed. What we come and do from five to five whatever has changed. We are ready for deeper places in God. Today's manna no longer satisfies us. We want, we want the deep places with him. We're ready for growth. We're ready for greater intimacy, expression, power, respect, recognition, and revelation in worship. I mentioned this the week before last. If we can't exalt God above ourselves, if we can't exalt God above our flesh, our comfort, our circumstances, our past, you guys, if we can't exalt God above ourselves, we will not. can't place God above self, growth will not ensue. Growth takes place when we place God's will above our comforts, our desires, our flesh, our whatever. If we can't recognize that God is greater than all, 
then as a people we will never grow in Christ. And let's not be mistaken. God is calling us to grow up. He's calling us to grow up. And we are ready for it. We are ready for more growth. So I'm about to share something now that I wish I could take credit for. I really do. I, you don't understand. I really wish I could take credit for it because it would make me look brilliant. It would make me look very strategic and very smart and very well thought. You, well, thank you, you big sweetie. <laughs> what I'm about to share was God being totally intentional in this church and without our planning. For the last three months, God has shown me how he's been just incredibly intentional towards growth in this body. And we did not plan it this way. I want to make that abundantly clear. You can't walk away and go, man, we are following some strong godly leaders. Man, they are so tuned into the Lord. I mean, we didn't plan this out. We just responded to what God did. We said yes to what he was laying out in front of us. We said yes to it. And then we look back and we look at the mosaic and go, oh my gosh, Lord, you're amazing. So in April... In April, we bring Steve and Terry Barr here. They were supposed to come in January. Um, Terry got in an accident, couldn't come in January. So they pursued us. They pursued us. We didn't invite them to come in April. They pursued us, said, we're, we're free on these dates in April. Can you do it? And we're like, yes, yes. So they came out in April. They came out in April and they did temperament training. They taught us about, from a biblical and godly um, perspective, about strengths. They, they taught us about temperaments and personalities and how we can identify who we are be comfortable in who we are. Recognize the strengths of who we are. Why? Because once we know our strengths, we can be used. We can grow. We can be effective in ministering you know, to people and building the kingdom of God. So that was in April. Then in May, Impact Rock has its first ever marriage retreat. Woo! It was awesome. Okay? So April, Stephen Terry, May, marriage retreat. Why? So that families and marriages could be strengthened. Because see, if we're not whole, it's hard, it's that much harder to be holy. And we see in this passage tonight, we're reiterating, be holy because I am holy. Be holy because I am holy. And it's tough. If your marriage is hurting and your home is hurting, that makes it very, man, it puts it, that much more pressure on being holy. So God wanted to heal up marriages, heal up homes, so that we could be strong. Once again, why? So that we could be effective. So that we could be healed, holy, and whole. The marriage retreat was about providing experience and tools to help our families be strong so that we could be effective. Then in June, June 1st, Tyron Daniel was here. I don't ever tell us what to preach on. The only person I've ever asked to preach on a topic was uh, Russ Doty during uh, during our vision series. I asked him to, to teach on giving. Uh, that's the only time. Normally, I, I just, ah, whatever's on your heart, bring it. Bring the word, whatever, whatever God gives you. So Tyron comes in here, and he preaches a message on why we should invite people to church. Right? Why should you invite people to church? And it was out of John 14. Why? 
because God wants to grow his kingdom and God wants to grow this church. And so we're being asked and stretched to, to move out of our comfort and to invite people in. And he talked about all these benefits. There were eight reasons why you should ask. Grab a hold of any one of them. If you haven't heard the message, go on our website and listen to the message. It's a fantastic message. That was in June. And then in June, Impact Rock set in seven new deacons. Why? Well, yes, because God urged us to, because God put us on our heart and, and, and brought some things to light. But because with new servant ministers, the result of new deacons, of new servant ministers is what? Multiplication. Growth. We see it in the New Testament when they had new deacons. There was, there was a multiplication of disciples, of followers. And if there's going to be more followers, through the efforts of multiplication, we need more servants, ministers. For the past three months, God has dropped this into place, and I didn't see it until this week spending time with God. I had this message planned, by the way. Remember remember uh, two weeks ago? Um, I, I had a message, and this was the message. This is what I had planned. And at this point, I still hadn't seen the way God had dropped that thing into place. So that night, we, we worshipped and we ministered, and I just read a few verses on, uh, on worship, and then we, we called it a night. But I, I just, the Lord didn't let me bring this message. And then the next week, um, what was, last week we had the, the deacons, and so then now I'm bringing the word this week. And so in that two-week time, God showed me the way that he has been dropping things into place. The way I see it, God prevented me from sharing this message because I, I hadn't yet seen it. And part, part of it was because we hadn't yet set in those seven new deacons. God has been intentional about preparing us for growth. God is an intentional God. Guys, we are ready for growth. Individually, in our homes, in our families, in our parenting, in our marriages, in this church. Isn't that amazing how God has done that. That's humbling. It's humbling to look back and see. But he has been setting us up. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. So get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. Be done with it. Be done. Change your mind. Repent. Pivot. Shift your weight and go the other direction. Be holy. Because I am holy. We make things too complicated. Change your mind. Change your course of direction. Shift your weight. And set your mind and your eyes on him. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow 
into a full experience of salvation. Okay, this is this is cool. So that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Friends, I'm 43 years old. I've served the Lord since I was probably four years old. That's when I gave my life to the Lord. That's when I knew who He was. And, and I, I, I've been a Christian ever since then. And I know plenty of Christians who do not have a full experience of salvation. You know people. You know Christians who don't have a full experience of salvation. Guys, if we are not all in, our experience of salvation is not going to be full. If there's not growth, if we're not growing, we're not going to have that full experience. Does anyone here know a Christian? Does anyone here... Everyone knows a Christian. That's, that was a bad question. Strike that. Does anyone here know every Christian that they know that they know and that they have full, complete experience in Christ. Their salvation is full. Their experience of salvation is full. Does anyone, can anyone say 100% of every Christian I know has that? We need to strive for more. We want to want more in Him. We have got to grow. We've got to, to crave the things of the Lord, receive the things of the Lord, and grow in Him so that we can grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. You are coming to Christ who is the, the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but He was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones that God is building into His spiritual temple. God is building you, growing you into His temple. What's more, you are His holy priest. Through the meditation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. Scriptures say, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem, chosen for great honor, and anyone who trusts in Him will never be disgraced. Peter describes the church as a living, breathing, building temple with Jesus at the cornerstone. And he describes each believer as a living stone. Each believer as a living stone centered around Christ, the chief cornerstone, built around Him. It all starts with Christ. And each one of us is a living stone. Paul describes the church as the body with Jesus as the head. Each one of us a part of the body. Each one of us important. Each one of us needed. Each one of us vital. None of us insignificant. I made this example before. You think there's an insignificant part of your body? You bring it up here and bring scissors, and we will quickly decide how insignificant that part of the body is. Right? There is not an insignificant part of the body. There's not an insignificant stone. See, sometimes God's got to knock off some rough edges because we've got to fit 
We've got to fit into what he's building. We've got to fit into his holy temple. So we don't have to be perfectly square. Now this one is quite pretty. This one is very square. This one is Miss Joy. This one right here. Just, just beautiful and look symmetrical. And this one right here, this is Eric. <laughs> you know, he just had to have some edges knocked off. The body. The temple. Living stones apart. What do they all speak of? What's the message coming across? Community. Team. Oneness. Together kingdom kingdom we are called to do it together one stone is not a wall one body part is not a body it's a bad attempt at a horror movie it's a cheesy b-horror movie the finger that kills But it's not a body. We can't do it on our own, and we can't do it without all. We can't do it on our own. You can't be the Lone Ranger, and we can't do it if you're not included. One body part is useless without the others. You guys, we live in a very independent society. And because we live in that very independent society, we forget how desperately we are dependent upon others. We need each other. We are dependent upon one another. And that was God's plan, friends. That was God's plan for interconnection and interdependence and interlinking and being laid together to form His holy temple. So take a moment. And just look around for a second. Look look at faces. Look at eyes. Just lock eyes with people around you. Take a second and look around. Look around at the people that God has linked you with. And tell me what you see. Now, it took every ounce, every ounce of restraint in me not to have Andy up here with the bass and playing, she's a brick house. Bonk, 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 bonk. When we look around, we see living stones, needed components that we are to be fit next to sometimes abrasively, to form a solid structure. We're called to build a beautiful spiritual house of worship for God, but we are called to do it together. Together. Five things together. You know, I mean, not real effective in battle. I could pull my finger back and slap you, you know, that'd just sting for a little bit. But when formed together, now, now there's power.
Now that's effective. Now for battle. This combined together is effective. Together. Together. And we build it with what? That temple of God, we build it with what? The Bible says we build it with spiritual sacrifices. So what are the spiritual sacrifices that we offer to God? In the Old Testament, sacrifice was very important. But even as important as sacrifice was, it was made clear, especially I, I taught on it recently in First uh, Samuel 15, that God desires obedience more than sacrifice. Total obedience. Total obedience. Because partial obedience is what? Disobedience. You guys are smart. Partial obedience is disobedience. Partial obedience isn't full obedience. Partial obedience is disobedience. Friends, disobedience is rebellion when you know better. And we know better. Disobedience is rebellion when we know better and we know better. We know better. We're no longer ignorant. So what are the spiritual sacrifices that we offer to God? Our lives. Yes, our lives. That's why I ask, how are we spending it? Our lives are the spiritual sacrifices that we offer to God. Our lives. God wants us, His holy priests, to offer ourselves as living and spiritual sacrifices Daily laying aside our comforts, our desires, and following Him. Putting all of our energy and resources at His disposal and then trusting Him for it. Joyfully rejoicing in trust. Taking all of our energy, all of our resources, all of who we are, our lives. Making it available to be used of Him and trusting Him in it. I am who I am. And there's times I'm not a very patient man. And I promise you, knowing me as well as I do and, and trying to, you know, trying to, to grow where I can, where I need to, I'm just not real patient when I hear people talk bad about themselves and how they can't be used for God because they're too weak or too this or too that. I just need to sur- I just need to walk out of the room and say, tag team, baby, okay. Because I have no I have no patience. Don't tell me what you can't do. Don't tell me how God can't use you. Don't tell me that that's bigger than God. Don't tell me that. Don't tell me that past hurts are bigger than God. Don't tell me that financial shortcomings are bigger than God. And don't tell me that they limit you on how God will use you. I will lose all patience. I will lose my dang mind. I'm from the South. We do that. We lose our minds. There's work to be done for the king. And friends, we don't have to look far. There's work to be done in this house. This is the truth. We began Impact Rock on the shoulders of a few. We began Impact Rock on the shoulders of a few. There were a dozen of us in a house in Westminster that met for that first time. And it grew and it grew and it grew. And we loved on people and we loved on the Lord's and and few did the work. And as we grew, God brought in more workers. 
But I, I want to go ahead and expose a lie of the enemy that churches just accept, and that's the 80-20 rule. And I know it's not just specific to churches because we use it in the workplace too, but that rule is 20% of the people do 80% of the work, and that rule will never change is what they tell us. 20% of the people do 80% of the work, and there's no there's acceptance. I refuse to accept that. I refuse to accept that for crying out loud. I refuse to accept it because we are called to do it together. And it doesn't have to be one person doing a few. We're called to do it together. I will never accept that it has to be a few people doing the work. We are called to do it together. <laughs> you probably need to get my wife happy. Like, honey... We're called to do it together. Guys, there's work to be done, and we are living stones. We are living stones, and together we form God's holy temple. Guys, there's not an ignorant person in this. I'm sorry, there's not a valid excuse for not working for the king in this room. There's not. There's not. Time. I don't have the time. I work full time. And Pastor. I've got a wife. I've got three kids. I have hobbies. Oh, and I'm a pastor. I'm the lead pastor of Impact Rock Church. I don't want to hear about time. We've got time. I don't have the energy. I'm just so tired. You're going to get slapped. I don't have the resources. Even gas is difficult getting here. But you trust God and you come and you make your life an offering. And you serve your time and you trust Him to multiply because He is the God of multiplication. To be the house that God has called us to be, we need a lot of bricks. We need a lot of stones. We need a lot of workers willing to work and carry that load. In coming weeks, we're going to have a banner. A wide banner. It's going to be a short banner and a wide banner. And it lists everything, all the work, almost. It lists almost everything that's needed to be done here. From ministry, to work, to outreach, to missions, to administration, to youth, to kids, to everything. And it's, it's long. And we listed them out, but it's it's short and it has the different responsibilities. We're going to have that banner. Because we need to be aware of the work that it takes to do this work for our king. The work that it takes to, to have a church that's healthy and that will grow. And we got to serve because serving is good. When we invest our time, it is good. So we're going to have that banner up. We want you guys to look at it. And we need you guys, when you look at it, to have an open heart and open ears and see where you can serve, where you can help, where you can work. Now, I used the word almost. I came back and kind of corrected myself. It has almost everything 
And I use almost because it's we're still growing. God's constantly adding new ministries and new things. And so I don't know that it'll ever be full, but it's the closest to being full as it is right now. And then we'll grow and we'll do more. But we need to keep in mind community, partnership, togetherness, kingdom. I heard Tyron talk one time to a room full of pastors. And he said, I love you guys. He said, I love you. And I value your friendships. But I don't, I don't necessarily need your friendships. I need your partnership. Your partnership is more important to me than your friendship. Because it's not about me and my ability to surround myself with friends. It's about the king. And I need you to partner with me in serving the king. Your partnership is more important than your friendship. I thought, what a bold thing. What a respectful thing for a man of God to say to a room of people who consider themselves his friends. I don't need your friendship. I need your partnership. Because it's not about me. And it's not about you. It is about the king. And for us to be effective, we must partner together and do the work for the king. God brings growth as he adds stones beside the immovable, unshakable stone of Jesus Christ. We're pieced together next to him, built upon him. As the body, we function because he is the head. Impact Rock is no longer called to be done by the work of a few, but by the living sacrifice of all. Friends, we are to make our lives a living sacrifice. People characterize me. People describe me. When when you hear people describe you, one of the words I hear people use to describe me, I use excitable and excited. But I hear happy. I hear that all the time. And I am. I am happy. I am happy. Not just happy, I am joyful. I am joyful because Christ is the center of my life and I am I am next to the cornerstone and I'm not shaken. Circumstance happens, I'm shaken. Son was away at camp this week, broke both of his wrists on a fall from the monkey bars. We weren't shaken. We immediately prayed. Happened on a Wednesday night. People were praying right here. We, they start, people started praying. Sit it out on the prayer chain. People started praying. We weren't shaken. Had a flat tire today. I don't like anything happening on Saturdays. I wouldn't, I'm like in church mode, baby. But flat tire on the way to go pick up the kids from camp for crying out loud. We weren't shaken. God ended up using that opportunity to pray for the tow truck driver. It was the second pastor in two days that had prayed for this guy. The second local pastor. Opportunity, not not obstacle. Opportunity. I wasn't shaken. I'm sitting there looking around going, who else, Lord? Who else? Someone in this place won't give their life to Jesus. Who? Opportunity. Guys, we're supposed to live our lives together as living stones. Shaken. I mean, there's times. It's, there's times we're going to feel shook up. I understand that. Because life is life. But when we are next to the one who is unmovable, that we can be unshakable. You guys, we can't build anything by ourselves. This one was mine, I remember, because it was Cherry Pez. 
I said at the beginning, this is a wall. It's not a wall. This isn't a house. This is a stone. This is one piece. This is one part. It's limited in its application. I don't care how creative we get. It's limited until it's joined by others. Until it's bound together by others. And you know what? Even these. This isn't this isn't a house. This isn't a temple. Do you know what it is? It's a pretty stinking good start. It's a start. I had you look around. I'm called to do it together. I'm called to do it together. He will not call you to fly solo. Together. Living stones. built into his holy temple. Friends, we've got to make our lives a living sacrifice. Amen. As we close out tonight, I want you guys to give thought to what can we accomplish together? What can we do together? Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness, Lord. Lord, we thank you for your love. We thank you that in your awesome plan, you chose to include us. And we thank you that we are your living stones, your royal priesthood, your holy priests called to to gut your holy temple. So right now, Lord God, we make our lives a living sacrifice for you, Lord. We purpose in our hearts, Lord God, to live our lives for you, to invest our lives for you, to spend our lives on you. Lord, we repent of childish and ignorant and rebellious ways. We repent, Lord God, of ways where we have lived our lives to satisfy ourselves and to do our own thing based on our comforts or discomforts, on our preferences or selfishness. Lord, we repent. We shift our weights and we look to you. We turn to you. We believe you. We trust you. Lord, uh, let tonight be a night of repentance of any way that we have not lined up with your holiness. Because we are to be holy because you are holy. And that's not some heavy command. But it's an indication of how we should live our lives because we have experienced the salvation of Jesus Christ. Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to kind of be on this topic for for a few weeks. We're going to have that that banner. And we want you guys to start thinking and looking. And then we want you guys to claim some work. Everyone. Everyone. Let's do it together.
Let's make a mockery of the 80-20 rule. Let's shame the enemy and go, yeah, that fits in the world, but it doesn't fit for the kingdom. That's not a kingdom principle, what you just spoke. That's not a kingdom principle. A kingdom principle is we're living stones and we're all needed to do it together. And that's what we do. So I, I hear you. And that in the workplace, that's totally, but not in the kingdom. Our God is good. Guys, I get so, so stinking excited. I love it when men of God come into this place and they leave going, oh my gosh, you've got an amazing people. I can't wait to see how God uses you. Uh, I mean, Tyron came and left so stinking encouraged. He's like, oh my gosh. Harper or Hapa. God's going to use you guys in great ways. This is a great thing you guys have. So it's time to up the ante, guys. It's time to go all in, baby. It's time to go all in. Because our King is worthy and He is worth it. Amen? Amen.